Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. Week 15 of the Aggressive Progressive podcast with Chris Hahn. So, I don't know. You've probably seen me on TV this week. It's, uh, I don't know what else to say. I am, I, I, I am so annoyed with this president. The statements he has made go back to where you came from can only be viewed as racist. And his back and forth with his people about send her back whether I want that chant at my rallies or not. Well, I guess we'll have to wait for the next rally, which should be sometime this week because Mueller's testifying and he needs needs to feel good about himself. Anyway, let's talk about it. Let's start the show. We are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of equal opportunity. You and I as citizens have the obligation to shape the debates of our time, not only with the votes we cast, but with the voices we lift. The people are looking for honest answers, not easy answers. The very word secrecy is repugnant. Clear leadership. And we are as a people. Not false claims and evasiveness and politics as usual. Opposed to secret society. But ours was a nation of the votes. Not the bullet. And a secret procedure. As a people, we cannot afford to let any group of citizens or any individual citizens live or labor under conditions which are injurious to the commonwealth. Black, white, Latino, Asian, Native American, young, old, gay, straight, men, women, folks with disabilities, all pledging allegiance under the same proud flag to this big, bold country that we love. That's what I see. That's the America I know. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. There is nothing wrong with America that cannot be cured by what is right with America. So, I mean... I don't know what else to say about it, right? I mean, I've called it racist. It is racist. I I have two sets of immigrant grandparents, right? One from Italy, one uh, from Germany, German Jew. Both told most of their lives, if not all of their lives, to go back to where they came from. Anybody who's got an immigrant story, regardless of where your family's from, has that in their background somebody who told them to go back to where they came from because you know they couldn't win an argument with them right i mean that's the uh the problem here with the president now look i uh i don't agree with everything the squad says not even close they're for freshman members of the House of Representatives, of course they're going to have big ideas. They should have big ideas, and we're not going to agree with all of them. And yeah, some of the things that they have said have been somewhat offensive to me over the 
couple of months. And, you know, the thing is, is that the difference between Representative Omar saying something offensive and the president saying something offensive is that she apologized for her offensive statements. I have never heard this man apologize for anything. So let's uh, let's take that off the table. But more importantly, he's the president of the United States. His words matter most. They matter more than anybody's words. He doesn't just get to go out there and say whatever he wants whenever he wants. I, I, I don't I don't know how people have defended it. I've done a lot of television about this. It's been the only topic I've talked about since Tuesday. And I get it. The president and some of his supporters, they view America as some sort of pastoral scene from the gallant South. But for a large portion of this country, that is a scary thought. And I know some of you know what I mean by that. This has got to stop. Um, This kind of language is dangerous. It is being seen by white nationalists as, I don't know, an invitation to do what they do, which is not good. America, this is nonsense. I am shocked that more Republicans have not stood up to this man about this. I get it. The next day after the rally, people went to Mike Pence and said, you got to get him to walk back the take her back or send her back chant. You don't want that at the rallies during the campaign. Get ready, America. That's your new chant at the rally. The president tries to act one day like he didn't like it and didn't sanction it. And then the next day he was all about it. Send her back. Go back to where you came from. Why? You know, he's trying to make it out like, well, they don't have ideals that are good for America. They criticize America. I don't know. I watched a campaign in 2016 that was all about criticizing America. His slogan was make America great again. You mean to tell me that all the work's done now, Mr. President? America's perfect? I mean, our founders didn't even believe that. They wanted to form a more perfect union. And this union can always become more perfect. What? What? They're trying to give health care to everyone so they're bad somehow? This is nonsense. This is nonsense. I, I mean, look, I, I, I actually planned on opening up my podcast tonight, doing a couple of minutes, and then, you know, basically taking my radio show and dropping it in here because I talked about this on my radio show on Thursday. It's, you know, it's like five days later now. I've done uh, six hits on this, television hits. I, I you know, what, what's worse is I, what I feel most bad about, it, and you're going to hear from Liz Clayman in a little while, we uh, were supposed to run the New York City Triathlon on Sunday uh, to raise money for building homes for heroes, but uh, because of the heat wave in New York, they canceled the triathlon. We did still raise a hundred thousand dollars, which is going to be matched by um, Advance Auto Parts. So we've raised two hundred thousand dollars for this great charity, and you're going to hear her talk all about it uh, and some other things um, during this uh, podcast today. Stick around, Liz Clayman, who anchors the Clayman Countdown on Fox Business Channel. She's my best friend at Fox, and I love her dearly. And she really does care 
about these veterans. She brought me into this charity uh, about eight years ago, and I've been so grateful to her for it. Uh, I've been working with her, and, and she really, you know, let me be clear, America. When I say we raised $100,000, it's like Liz raised $98,000, and I raised two. <laughs> uh, I mean, she's the one who people are coming out for here. She's an anchor. She's on TV every day. She knows all the big buck guys in on Wall Street, and they have been supportive, and I, I appreciate that. Um, and I know some of my fans, including some people listening to this podcast, have also donated. But Liz is the real deal here. But you know, Friday I was on her show previously previously scheduled to talk about the race, and I was debating my friend Brad Blakeman. Brad is a friend. And Brad wasn't defending the president as much as others do. But I am just so shot out of a cannon about this thing that I have a very hard time talking about it without being passionate about it, without cutting people off. And I get it. I get it. I feel bad. I cut Stephanie Hamill off crazily on Saturday. Worse than usual. Let's just put it that way. I, I always cut people off when I debate because I think they go on too long. I like to keep it snappy. Boom, 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 boom. No, you know, no uh, run-on sentences. No, no, no filibusters. She wasn't filibustering. I just had, I just had, there's nothing you could say to me to make me think this isn't racist and it isn't on purpose now. Maybe it wasn't on purpose the first time. I'm not one of these guys who thinks this guy's playing three-dimensional chess. I don't think he's doing that at all. I think he's just ignorant. I think he's a bit of a racist anyway. And he blurts things out. He says the quiet part out loud because, look, his whole life, nobody ever challenged him. Ever. Nobody ever challenged him, ever. And now he's being challenged. And he's being challenged by women. And more importantly, women of color. I mean, look, I say lots of bad things about Donald Trump on television every single day. Things that are heard by him and his base. Sometimes I say things on Judge Jeanette Pirro's show Right after he's been on, I know he's heard it. He never tells me to go back to where I came from. I mean, I came from Long Island. He told AOC, told AOC to go back to where she came from. She's from Queens, just like him. So I don't get it. And by the way, his mother was an immigrant. Her mother wasn't. She's Puerto Rican. She's an American, born an American. So three of the four weren't even born outside of this country. And he's telling them to go back to where they came from because they uh, they come from places where the governments are broken, blah, blah, blah. Well, yes, they do come from places where the government's broken. The United States, the government's broken here. We have a president that doesn't respect it. And a whole party that has rolled over and showed him his belly. Yes, I just got a puppy. I know, I'm making puppy references about the president. Like uh, like the Republican Party's a puppy rolling over showing their belly. No, I can't. I can't. You know what? That is disrespectful to my puppy. I take that back. I'm sorry. I apologize. It's an, an entire party of sheep just waiting to be sheared and have their wool sold to whoever Donald Trump wants to sell it to for whatever Donald Trump will get for it because they are basically his curs. It is a it is nonsense. Only four Republicans in the House of Representatives voted with the Democrats to rebuke the president's statement. Very few Republicans in the Senate said anything. Mitch McConnell, whose wife is an immigrant, wouldn't even answer the question. 
if she'd heard that, would it be called racist if somebody said it to her? And I'm sure, by the way, Elaine Chow has heard that in her lifetime. And I'm sure Elaine Chow knows it's racist. And I would like Elaine Chow to stand up and say it. So what, Elaine? You're going to lose your job? You don't need your job. And by the way, you're not going to lose your job. Your husband's the majority leader of the United States Senate. I'm sorry. I know Donald Trump is ignorant to government and what it does, but he can't be that ignorant of what Mitch McConnell is and the power he wields, especially when it comes to him getting the one thing done he's getting done that's getting judges. Reactionary, conservative, douchebag judges. So Elaine Chow, maybe make a statement. Mitch McConnell, maybe make a statement. What are you worried about, a tweet? I know you got a re-election this year, Mitch. I got it. Wah, wah, wah. Oh, I don't know. I don't want to lose the seat I've had for 30 years. I mean, what's the point of even being there? If you're not going to call out racism, you're not going to use your platform to call out obvious racism. What is your purpose in life, Mitch? What is your purpose in life? Why are you here? What's your deal, man? What's the point? I mean, you know, nonsense stuff. This is the kind of thing that everyone should call out. Don't tell me you didn't see the tweets. Don't tell me you didn't see the rally. Call it out. Enough of them called Mike Pence that Mike Pence cared. And he told the president. Because Mike Pence probably doesn't ever like to tell the president bad news. And the president changed his tone for about 12 hours. And then he went right back to it. Not enough of you going on the record. And I don't want to hear it. Here's another thing. Here's another thing. Jake Tapper, and Chris Matthews, and uh, anybody who's working the news, you know, Chuck Todd. Don't tell me what these jerks say on background anymore. I don't care. America shouldn't care. I don't want to hear Republicans on background furious over Donald Trump's rhetoric. I don't want to hear that his staffers are upset with him. I don't care. If they're not willing to put their balls on the line, they need to not talk, and you need to not give them the forum. Boo-hoo. Oh, we are, this isn't us. Oh, we're so upset. No, you're not. You're not upset enough. You're not upset enough to actually put yourself on the line. That's not, look, what's the hill you're going to die on, right? What's the hill you're going to end your career on? Calling out racism? I think that's probably a, a hill you should be thinking about dying on, right? I mean, I, I think that's worth ending your career. You're going to get primary by a what? A Nazi? Call him a Nazi. Because if somebody's primarying you, Mitch McConnell or anybody else in the Republican caucus in the House or the Republican conference in the Senate, you're going to get a primary because you called the president a racist when he's being a racist? Well, so what? You're being primary. Are you saying that your constituents are racists? Like the Republican primary voter is racist? That this is okay with them? Now, I know that there are some that are. I get that. But enough to win a primary? I don't know about that. I don't believe that. I, I just don't. I don't believe that if you call the president out over this and back him up, 
get them to stop using this language. I look, I get it. Their whole campaign strategy in 2020 is going to be to call Democrats socialists, say that we're enemy of the people, that we don't love America, which is uh, it's complete nonsense. I've called that out. You know, listen to last week's podcast, if you will, particularly the end, the little bit I dropped in from my radio show. I've called that out. I call that out all the time. I get that that's where they're going. But to racially divide, first of all, I don't even think it's good politics. Let me tell you why. There was a good number of people in 2016 who had voted in 2012 and 2008 for Obama that did not come out to vote in 2016. Now, I'm not saying they were Obama-Trump voters. We've talked a lot about those idiots. No, these were people who were Obama voters and didn't vote. Probably about 2 million, including about 400,000 in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. Most of them African-American or Latino. How do you think they're feeling today? Think they're staying home still in 2020? Now remember, he won those three states collectively by I think about 27,000 votes overall. So let's say 100,000 of those show up. You think they're voting for Trump? They ain't voting for Trump. Got news for you, Mr. President. You have awakened a group of voters that can take you down. That will take you down. You want a very small victory. I know you like to talk about a great victory. It was a great upset. See, this is what you mistake. This is your mistake, Mr. President. Your victory was a great upset. It was not a great victory. It was a small on the margins victory. In fact, you lost the popular vote by three and a half million votes. Now, those margins can shift on anything. You could get stronger or you could get weaker. This gets you weaker. And I'm glad. And, and, and I don't look, it doesn't give me any great pleasure, America, to call this man a racist. It gives me no pleasure at all. I don't want to think that there's a guy in the White House who's a racist. But there is. There is. There's a guy in the White House who is actively instigating racial tensions in America. He's turning up the heat on something that the heat has been turned down on for 30 years now. He's turning it up. And the Republican Party is along for the ride. They don't want to say anything. They don't want to do anything as long as they keep getting their judges. And as long as they keep getting their tax cuts, they don't care. They just don't care. And the president's rallies, you know, everybody's like, oh, you know, it's a political rally. Yeah. Okay. So at a political rally, he talks about four freshman members of the House of Representatives. I, I didn't hear a plan for health care if the courts strike down Obamacare, which he's actively trying to have happen. Where's his plan on that? A lot of the people in that crowd chanting, chanting send her back probably get health care through Medicare or the Medicare expansion. Or Obamacare, they're idiots. They don't know any better. All right, stick around. I'm going to stick. Uh, I'm probably going to stick that segment from my radio show in here anyway at some point. But coming up right after this break, Liz Clayman, as I've said, Liz Clayman and I 
for the past uh, eight years have been raising money for a charity called Building Homes for Heroes. It's at buildinghomesforheroes.org. Uh, click on the link for Liz and help Liz and Chris in the New York City Triathlon donate. I think we're really close to that $100,000 goal, which will get us a $100,000 match from uh, Advanced Auto Parts, which you know is a big deal. It's going to build, uh, I think, three mortgage-free homes for severely wounded veterans coming back from Afghanistan and the Gulf. Um, we've been working at it for years. It's a big deal to me. Uh, check out my my Twitter feed, at Christopher Hahn, if you want some more information there, or just go to buildinghomesforheroes.org. Uh, but Liz is uh, with me right after this break. Stick around. Hey, America, Christopher Hahn here, the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. What is with the president and the right-wing echo chamber encouraging these astroturf protests against stay-at-home orders around the country? It's ridiculous, and it needs to stop. Check out the Aggressive Progressive Podcast wherever you download podcasts. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, COVID continues to reshape the law. Supreme Court arguments will be held by teleconference. The justices won't even know if the lawyers are wearing pants, which is fair given the eternal mystery of what's under those black robes. Los Angeles County is springing 25% of its inmates. The sheriff suggests folks get ready for what might be a spike in crime. Check it all out on the next episode of Too Many Lawyers. Uh, Liz Clayman, who is the host of Countdown to the Closing Bell on Fox Business and probably my best friend at Fox. We, for the past, I don't know, is this like our ninth year doing this? It's been a long time. Eighth. Eighth. Well, yeah, eighth. You may have done more. I didn't do it one of the years because I forget. I went out or something. Oh, yeah, you got her. I did it one year without you. I, I yeah, I did it one year without you, but you still raised all the money because you're you are the money. You, the, you I, yeah, I did the heavy lifting. You are the money. You are the money. You do the you. Do, I'm just your caddy on this. I always I'm your triathlon caddy. Whatever Liz needs, she needs me to pump up a tire. Do it. You need me to meet you at the at the uh, at the transition area the day before to hook up your bike. Got it. You're on it. What your listeners don't know is that there was a one. New York City Triathlon that Chris and I, you know, we're Team Fox Business, raising money for buildinghomesforheroes.org. And and one year, I said, I think I need my tires pumped up. And being the gentleman that he is, he (laughs) said, sure, no problem. I got this. And he takes my bike. He starts pumping and just explodes the the hole. I blew up three tires. Thank God there was a whole whole table full of tire tubes that the New York City Triathlon had put out for the bikers there. And uh, we're in transition because we were doing a relay. And I think Cheryl Cassoni was doing the swim first that year or somebody else. And, and, uh, and we were sitting in the transition area, like just us and like, you know, 20 other people doing the relay. And I'm just sitting at this table with tires and I'm like, I must've changed a tire four times, but we do it. I kept thinking he's supposed to know what he's doing here. I'm the idiot. You know what it was? It was that pump. It was, it was, it was, they had a, a, they had a compressor there and it was too, too, too strong and it kept blowing up the tires. <laughs> so, so Liz Clayman, she's a superstar. She, you know, gets all the big interviews. We'll talk about a big interview you had today, which made a lot of news, and I really got to yeah. talk to you about it. But I really, I, you know, the point we had you on was to talk about the New York City Triathlon, which I learned 50, 45 minutes before I came on the air tonight was canceled due to the heat wave that's coming this weekend. But Breaking we've all, news. we've yeah. already raised seventy five thousand dollars for building homes for heroes, and 
I want to get us to 100,000 for the race that we don't do. So do I. You know, fact, I, that would be the real story. Uh, that uh, we can raise 100 grand for a race that was canceled and still create these mortgage-free, totally customized homes for our worst wounded soldiers. You know, I don't think that, that uh, people understand this. There is a line of hundreds of people waiting, hundreds of hundreds. soldiers who have come back from Iraq and Afghanistan, and they haven't just been dinged by a bullet or something. Oh, no. No. You, you see these people. You know, we talked about Joel Tavara, Sergeant Joel Tavara, uh, burned over 60% of his body, blinded. Yeah. Uh, he had severe brain damage, lost four fingers on his hand. He also lost his leg. And, and why? Okay. We don't get into the why. We hate the war. We love the warrior. Right. right? Chris taught me that. And um, one of the things that we were able to do for him is once they get out of their literally 44 surgeries, they've got nowhere to live where they can actually function. Right. And Building Homes for Heroes, we build these tricked out, totally customized homes for their particular injuries. And you know what? Here's what happens. They then go on and live a productive life. He just graduated from Tampa University Amazing. with a degree in history. Amazing. Amazing. He couldn't have done it if he were worrying about how am I going to pay for a rent or or how am I going to put a roof over my head. No, no, no. We, we got you. We I, got you, Joel. I am so happy that, you know, eight or nine years ago, I can't even remember when, you turned me on to this charity when right when we met. We had just met. Yeah. I, I just started doing Fox, and I was doing your show. And, we were in the green room. Yeah, I was in the green room. It was just a chance. I was having a conversation with uh, a former colleague of yours that said that you were amazing. You do triathlons. I'm like, oh, I just did the New York City triathlon. You heard me say that and said, hey, you did the New York City triathlon. I do the New York City triathlon. I do it for this charity. You should do it with me. Yeah, because <laughs> I was done doing the whole damn thing. I mean, that swim in the Hudson River is nasty. But let's explain why it's been canceled. The heat index on Sunday is expected to be 110. 110. And that is just a too dangerous. The, the conditions were too dangerous, and Mayor de Blasio was encouraging, as recently as about two hours ago, Lifetime Fitness, which puts on the triathlon and, and Verizon sponsors it, so does Fox Business, that, you know what, we, we, we can't do this. Yeah. It's going to be really too dangerous. Now, Fox Business has spent a fortune setting everything up and yeah we do the we do the um the caps the swim caps and we're get, we're auctioning off a really cool bike but it's okay it's okay it, you know it is it's Things okay for Every, a reason we don't want anybody to be hurt right and there are people have people have died in this race when it wasn't this hot because it does Correct. get very hot in central park people don't understand you know the city holds the heat worse than anywhere else so even though they say 108 it might feel like 115 in Central Park on that day. And we just which... had the blackout this past weekend, and it's not safe. And also, when you say people die, people have died in this race in yeah. the eight years we've been doing it. Yeah. In fact, my husband pulled uh, a guy who had died out of the Hudson River. It was shocking and horrible. It's a very strenuous Olympic distance yep. triathlon. I personally have no business doing it. I was never an athlete, uh, but <laughs> I just... When Fox said they sponsored it and who wanted to be team captain, like an idiot a long time ago, I said, okay, but I was just doing it. Then I thought, well, why don't I do it and help some cause? Yeah. And, I, and of course, I've been working with Building Homes for Heroes, but I think people need to know about you, Chris. You stepped up. 
and never looked back. And so much of it where I was able to get over the finish line because, you know, we're all busy. We've yeah. got kids and jobs and who the heck has the time to train? I thought, well, Chris is doing it. So can I. Exactly. And and we are every January, we have the same conversation. We doing it this year. <laughs> We doing it this year? <laughs> and I'm like, and you're like, I don't know. Do you want to do it? I'm like, I'll do it, Liz. I'll do it, Liz. I'll do it. I, yeah, Whatever you need. You want me to do the swim and the run? I'll do the swim and the run. What do you want me to do? You want me to do the whole thing and you just clap? I mean, just tell me what we're going to do. I'll do it. <laughs> and I'm not getting any younger. And I'm sitting there thinking, wait, a mile swim, 26-mile bike, 10K. I'm not going to string all that together. I did three full ones. And then I said, Dianu, you know, enough. Yeah. And, um and then uh, I thought, let me just do one. Yeah. Let me just do one just leg. Do a leg. Do the bike. Said, I'll do. I'll do the other two. And uh, then you said, you know, I only want to run. I, I just, I, I just hate. Run. You know what it is? I hate. I don't mind the swim. I'm just not, I don't like training for swimming because I, I get seasick in a pool. I don't mind doing open water swims. For some reason, the chlorine, if I'm in a pool for like an hour, I just feel woozy. So I, um, I kind of, I've done a lot of triathlons in my life. I've done a lot of Olympic distance triathlons. Uh, I love doing the swim in the Hudson River because it's, it's the fastest swim you're ever going to do because you got the current with you. Um, he's not, he's not being honest with you guys. Um, it is nasty. <laughs> it's it nasty. Panic attack inducing. Every time I did it for three years straight, it never got easier. I, ju- first of all, they sound this horn and literally yeah, you jump, jump in <laughs> from what? Uh, 10 feet above it. No, it's, it's a, it's a one foot drop. <laughs> oh, you're such a liar. Listen, I, <laughs> Four. Okay. Maybe it's four. I don't know. It's a small jump, and usually there's some dead fish in front of you. It's a horrible thing. Oh, yeah. You know, like somebody's hand floating by, you know, mob kill. It's horrible. But, um, you know, it's what we do for. Yeah. These these heroes who have sacrificed. It's nothing compared to what they did for us, right? It is nothing. Right. You know, and every time I say, oh, do I really want to get up at four o'clock in the morning to run in the hot Central Park? I think about these guys Mm -hmm. who lost their limbs, who fought for their country, volunteered. Nobody made them do this. They volunteered to serve America and then they came home missing part of themselves. And you brought this great charity to my attention, which does so much for so many and takes so, you know, and does it at like a, on a shoestring bu- budget. It's not like you got rich executives. Andy Pujol, who's the president wow. of the thing, doesn't even take a salary and works his looking, butt off. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I want to say, too, for all of you listening, if you were to just go on buildinghomesforheroes.org and look at some of the testimonies, we have people donating $17. Do you know how much that means to me? Yeah. I don't care how much. I just care that we all find some way to dig in our hearts and our pockets Yep. to do just a little thing. And it means so much. I had a guy send me a $5 bill. He was a retiree. He said he was on a fixed income and was so sorry that he couldn't do more, but here, Miss Clayman, here's five dollars. I I always use that as the example. Yeah, there's somebody who really felt it, who yeah. felt like he'd missed the five dollars, but he did. I love and it, and I hope everybody who's listening does the same. I really do. I think whatever you can give, whatever mm-hmm. you can do, you know, there's nothing too small, nothing too big either. 
some of you out there. Um, <laughs> you know, that you know, the more money they have, the more vets they're going to help. And we already got so excited because um, we were told by our founder Andy Pujol that if we hit twenty grand after we launched this on Monday, he'd match it. Right. And we hit 20 grand in like four hours. 20 grand in what? Like not even, you know, maybe three hours, 20 minutes. And boom. We're we're on pace to have one of our best. We're on pace to have our best year fundraising. But we're not even going to run. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's a it's it's you know, I still want to hit that hundred thousand dollar mark, you know, which we've done in the past. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, in addition to doing this, Liz has helped them raise millions of dollars um, through setting them up with connections with major corporations who have donated, uh, wealthy individuals. Uh, you know, you've hosted and been honored by them at their gala. I, I do the auction usually at the gala. Uh, it's a, it's a, it, you know, Liz has really helped this organization through the years. Yeah, uh, I mean, Sean Hannity, we, we've had a whole bunch of people just step up. Ainsley yep. Earhart. Yep. And it just, it means the world to us. It really, really does. I had a lot of fun auctioning off Sean Hannity. <laughs> At uh, the yeah, Building Homes for Heroes fun. Gala, there's video of that somewhere. You should find it. It's 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 a if you're listening and you want to see something really funny. It was a funny yeah. funny evening. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, all right, Liz Clayman, she is yeah. the host of Countdown to the Closing Bell on Fox. Okay, wait, Business. can I interrupt you? It the name changed. What? It's now the Clayman Countdown. Oh, I like yeah. that better. Yeah, the Clayman Countdown. On Fox Business, it's on at 3 o'clock every single day, Monday through Friday. Now, you were just in D.C. You had a couple of big interviews, and yep, some of I them made news. I know you, ta- you spoke to the vice chair of the Fed. What's going on there? That's Richard Clarida, and they are coming up in 13 days to do a race. Uh, to, I'm thinking race. to, to Right. <laughs> they will decide whether to cut interest rates. Amazing. Right? Yeah, so no. cut interest rates. And you cut interest rates, for those of you who don't know, um, because if the economy is weak, for example, but the economy is really strong. Yeah. Why Everybody's would they do it now? I don't understand. Why would anybody cut interest rates in an economy as good as this? Well, it's a question, but they're now looking at the global economy. I'm just thanking my driver because I just got back from Washington, D.C. from doing this interview. Nice. Exclusively. And I'll tell you, uh, he started talking, and I was really pushing him. I was really pushing him, and I said, wait a minute. We have only so many arrows in our quiver for extricating us from any kind of recession the likes of what we saw in 2008. Why are we using up these arrows? We need to keep them dry and ready. Right. Right. And he said, well, you know, he, he was so dovish in the way he sounded, that honestly, the markets immediately interpreted what he was saying as we will see a rate cut, and we went. You know, you can bet on the odds of a rate cut. It's called the Fed Funds Futures. Right. Before the interview at 3 p.m., 2.59, those odds were at 50%, the odds that we would see a 50 basis point cut. Wow. Half a rate, half a rate cut, right, half a rate point percentage. After they spiked to 71%. Wow. Now, I think the market is too optimistic that it will see that big a rate cut. It might be a quarter point. Right. But 
uh, the fact that the market interpreted that really indicates that they will cut rates. And I'm just not sure. We got some great data today, something called the Philly Fed Index, which gives um, a sense of how manufacturing is doing in the mid-Atlantic area. It was four times better than expected. Right. Right. We got a great June jobs number, 224,000 jobs created. And the president goes on and on about how great the economy is. Yeah. So why are we cutting rates? Rate cuts make borrowing money cheaper, and that's supposed to have a stimulative effect. Right. But we don't need it right now. No. They're worried that the trade war and globally we're seeing some, you know, GDP contraction in South Korea and Mexico, and they want to get ahead of it. So one of his biggest sound bites that he said today was, you don't want to wait so long that when you cut rates, you have to cut them a whole bunch of times. If you cut once now, you might not have to do more later. Well, if you cut once now, that's one less cut you can make later because rates are already low. I mean, rates aren't that high right now. Well, it makes us wonder how bad is it really out there? Is there something we don't know? Right. Or are they being pressured by President Trump, who has really been quite publicly critical of uh, Federal Reserve Chair Jay Powell, whom he hired. Right. It's his uh, guy. Why is this guy... That, you know, the market would be so much higher if we cut rates. Well, we're not. The, the Federal Reserve isn't there to make the stock market do well. Right, right. Federal Reserve is there with a dual mandate of making sure inflation is moderate around 2%. Right now it's below that. And to make sure we have full employment, which we do. Right. So where's the problem? And I kept saying, where's the problem? <laughs> I don't see a problem at all. And I worry well, that this is creating a debt bubble that is going to burst at some oh, point. Absolutely. And I, absolutely. You know, and I know you're not political. I won't I won't put this on you, but I believe that this president doesn't care if the debt bubble bursts, you know, the day after the election in 2020, as long as it doesn't burst now. I think President Trump is um, very sensitive, perhaps oversensitive to how stock market fluctuations, fluctuations reflect upon him. Right. Um, you know, the market is a huge voting machine, and it's like a flock of seagulls, and they're, they're moving in one direction, and a, a little flick of somebody's feather and they've all changed direction yep you can't really try and fathom it or blame one thing in particular and and he tends to worry it seems that if the stock market is tanking people will look at him and say it's his fault right uh and therefore when you keep rates low it tends to be stimulative to an extent but right but he used to criticize president trump during the campaign saying Oh, Obama just wanted to win a popularity contest by keeping rates low. And here we go. Right. Right. And it's the president's own fault because the president has used the stock market as you know something he's done, which, you know, it's not. He didn't do any. Even if it crashes, it's not really. I mean, if it crashes because of his trade war, that's one thing. Right. Uh, Right. But, you know, if it crashes on its own, which it does every 10 years or so. It does. You know. And it's been 10 years. We've had a bull market for 10 years. It can't last forever. Exactly. Exactly. It's amazing. I got got about a minute and a half left. You had another great interview with Tammy Baldwin. Tammy Baldwin, the senator from Wisconsin, has just introduced a brand new new bill called Stop Wall Street. Here's my alarm. Okay. Uh, Called Stop Wall Street Looting. What she means by that is, She and Liz Warren co-sponsored this bill that would restrict private equity from buying up distressed companies pretty much 
squeezing them dry of real estate and assets and pensions and then liquidating them along with thousands and thousands of jobs. So they're trying to put in some restrictions. Now, private equity sometimes saves companies. Right. No, I'm not. I, I've got friends in private equity, and I have actual proof that they've bought struggling companies, managed them better. Hilton is a great example. Right. And they turn them around, and they save jobs. But there are too many. You know, you're thinking Shopko, Toys right. R Us, mismanaged. They they sell the real estate out from under these stores. They squeeze all this money out. They extract it, and then yeah, they you say, think oh, well, Gordon geez, Gecko it, types, right? Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Gordon Gecko, and so therefore, that begins uh, the whole cycle again. So, what Tammy Baldwin, who witnessed the Shopco disaster because that was Wisconsin-based, three thousand people lost their jobs, and they were promised severance, and there were all kinds of uh, backtracking there, and these poor people just were left without jobs. Right. Some people, some companies cannot be saved. Yeah. But uh, this was a particularly egregious example. You can read about it. Axios did well, a great piece on it. Well, let's hope this bill gets a yeah. vote because it doesn't seem like they like to vote on things in the Senate anymore, which is uh, well, a shame. Well, there's another one. You know, the carried interest, you know, private equity guys actually get to um, calculate their income at a much lower tax yeah. rate than you and I and just about all your listeners. That's bad. It's, just a weird, it's a weird fluke and it's illegal. It's illegal, but um, President Trump had said during the campaign he wanted to get rid of it. Now nobody talks about that. Well, Liz, Liz, this has been great. You're one of the best. Check out the Claim and Countdown Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. on Fox News, at Liz Claimin on Twitter, buildinghomesforheroes.org. Donate now. Liz, I'll see you on your show tomorrow, and I won't see you in the Hudson on on Sunday, unfortunately. But Liz Claimin, thanks for joining me. I really love you. Thank you for everything you do for this country. Love you, too, and thanks to all of your listeners. I appreciate it. That's Liz. I mean, she's great. She's a true pro. Gets to the story. Uh, a lot of people, you know, critical of uh, Fox News and Fox Business Anchors. Liz plays it down the middle and really gives you the financial news. Check out the Claim and Countdown every day at 3 o'clock. Used to be called Countdown for Closing Bell. It's now called the Claim and Countdown because she's a main brand. All right, stick around. I'll be right back. All right, I'm back. And I am going to drop in uh, just a little bit from my radio show. There was a caller who was a complete racist. I called him what he was. He kept calling back. Tried to say I didn't have courage because I wasn't going to let him talk and spew his hate. But I'm not going to let a guy, you know, be that racist and keep talking on my show. That's ridiculous. All right, hang out. Here it is. Let me begin with this. Been doing a lot of appearances about Donald Trump and his go back to where you came from comment. Um, there is no other way to look at it but racism. In fact, uh, the United States EEOC, the Equal Opportunity and Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, has in its guidebook that telling a coworker to go back to where they came from is inherently racist and not permitted in the workplace and could result in dismissal. That's the Trump administration's EEOC, which he oversees, by the way. I don't know if he's changing that from the books as we speak, but that would take some, some work, I think. 
And that was on the books long before Trump came here. And let me tell you why. Because it's something that's been said by racists for 200 years, more than 200 years. Go back to where you came from. I am the great grandson, I'm the grandson of immigrants on both sides of my family. I have an Italian side and I have a German Jew side. And both of them were told their entire lives to go back to where they came from. Both World War II veterans, they came here, they enlisted, they went back to Europe, they fought for this country. My grandfather on my Jewish side was discriminated against widely. And he was often told to go back to where he came from. So was my Italian family. Go back to where they came from. Anybody who has a grandparent or a parent or maybe yourself that has an immigrant story will have heard those words. If anybody you know who speaks with an accent has been told at some point in their life to go back to where they came from. Maybe it was just in a road rage thing, or maybe it was an overt act of racism carried out by somebody who they were seeking employment or some other service from. There's no other way to look at it. Now, and and to say that this president didn't know, uh, that's ridiculous. But even more, He's the president of the United States. And I've been asked on Fox and on other networks over the last couple of weeks, couple of days, to try to defend um, AOC and the rest of the so-called squad, members of Congress, and and talk about what they have said. And and it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's not the issue. When you are the president of the United States, when you are a leader of any type— the top of the heap, you need to show grace. You need to have grace. You need to rise above. You don't need to get down in the mud and mix it up. You know, I hear all you Trump supporters telling me, well, he's just a regular scrappy guy. He's going to fight. He's going to push back. Okay, I get politically sometimes it's okay to push back. But when you are the president of the United States, your words matter more than anyone else's words on this planet. Your words carry more weight than mine, more weight than any member of Congress, more weight than any reporter, more weight than any pundits. Your words matter more than anyone on this planet. Anyone. Any other leader on this planet, religious leaders like the Pope, world leaders, your words matter most and you need to choose them carefully, something that this man in the White House has not done ever. And when he says go back to where you came from, That is not a dog whistle of racism, America. That is overt racism. And all the racists around this country who have been saying that to people of color and people who speak with accents and people who have a different way of worshiping than they do heard that and said, yee-haw, that's our guy. And it's disgusting. It's despicable. It is dirty. And it is 
unbecoming the president of the United States who needs to do better, who needs to show leadership, who needs to rise above the fray. He needs to have grace. He needs to reach down gently. He needs to be a servant. All of those things do not describe the president of the United States that we have right now. And more importantly, what he's lacking, America, is courage. That's right. He lacks courage. Last night at his rally, another scary, ridiculous Trump rally. While he's airing his grievances against Ila Oman, Representative Omar from Minnesota, he's airing his grievances against her. And, and, you know, this is all he does, right? He airs his grievances at these rallies. I don't hear policy proposals being, being made at that rally. But grievance after grievance after grievance. Guy's been rich his whole life, was a millionaire by the age of three. He's a billionaire now. He's president of the United States, the most powerful man in the world, nothing but grievances. He's grieving. He's airing his grievance about a first-term congresswoman. Well, the Trump supporters in that rally started chanting, send her back. You know how they used to chant, lock her up? Well, last night, they were chanting, send her back. And what did Trump do? Did Trump say, no, stop, this is America, we're allowed to have debates, we're going we're gonna to beat her on the field of ideas? No, he didn't say that at all. He just let them chant. Now, today, at some press conference, he says he, you know, he didn't like that. He was disappointed by that. Well, where was your disappointment when you were on in front of that crowd, coward? That's right, he's a coward. And if you're supporting him, you're supporting a coward. And by the way, members of Congress in his own party, you're a coward too. If you don't stand up to this kind of racist behavior. They didn't vote. Only four Republicans, four voted in favor of the resolution that condemned the language the president used telling those three Cong- four congresswomen, three of whom were born here, to go back to where they came from. Not that that matters at all. Only four. Only four congresswomen. The, the, the founder of the Heritage Foundation and uh, the first president of the conservative union. No, uh, no, no, uh, you know, no lefty called this racism. And when asked, when asked why, when asked why no members of the Republican Party are really standing up and some of them are even actually, you know, being being horrible about this. He said the reason why they're not standing up is they're cowards. They're cowards. They are absolute cowards. They're afraid of being primary. They're afraid of what the president might tweet about them. You know, what's the point of being a member of Congress if you're not going to stand up for what's right in this world? What hill will you die on? Say what you want about the Democrats who passed Obamacare in 2009 and then lost their elections in 2010. At least they stood for something. You might not like what they stood for, but they gave health care to 14 million Americans that didn't have it. And that's, that's a good thing. 
that was a hill to die on, and many of them did, their careers. You know, calling out racism uh, when it's clear and present, I think it's a pretty good hill to die on. I think that's something you should stake your career on, America. I think you should stake your career on that. I don't see many of them doing it. it sickens me. All right, 631-451-1039 is my number. 631-451-1039. I'm going to go to the phones. I'm going to go to Ryan in St. James. Ryan, welcome to the show. Hey, guess what, man? What's up, buddy? You're a coward. Let's see how long you let me talk until you hang up on me. Uh, Okay, well, uh, why am I a coward, Ryan? Why are you a coward? Because you're not going to take any more calls like mine. Well, you you called me a coward, so why am I a coward? Go through it. Because you're not going to take any more calls like mine. Ryan, I take I take all calls. Why don't you get to your point, idiot? My point is, we are a racist. We were a racist nation. We are a racist nation. We have a racist president, and you're probably a Thank racist, God. Ryan. No, you know what? It's racist because the numbers prove that it's racist. The brown mongoloid was never. Oh my God! Oh, he wants to know why I was going to hang up on him. You think that I? You think I'm a coward for letting that go on? That kind of racist, Ryan from St. James racist don't let him back on if he calls again tell him no 631-451-1039 that guy is a racist with a capital r he's probably got a confederate flag in his freaking front yard and a white hood in his closet 631-451-1039 dave in brookhaven you're on the uh you're on the air hi chris how are you i'm doing well man so i gotta admit my support for trump is, is waning um i know. appreciate that well, yeah, I mean, in one way that, um, and not so much for his comments, I think all that stuff is a distraction from the fact he's got nothing done. There's no wall. Immigra- immigration, legal and illegal, are way, way up. And I think this is just, you know, this is just meet the pro to his you know, low IQ base. Well, yeah, I think you're right. You know? I think I think and, that's that's definitely part of it, Dave. I mean, this is a guy who is not accomplishing anything. He's distracting from things like this Jeffrey Epstein scandal. You know, now there's video of him palling around with Jeffrey Epstein at one of at a party. There's all sorts of you know things going on, and he, and he doesn't want people to talk about that, so he gave him something to talk about. What he gave him to talk about though is bad. Right. Exactly. Well, yeah. Whether I mean whether you agree or not, you know, we all we all have that right to you know. And the term racist gets thrown around very loosely, I think, you know, I think. However, you know, Trump has gotten nothing done. And this is just a distraction. He's running. This yep. is Dave, it pains me. It pains me to call the president of the United States a racist, even this one who I don't agree with at all. It pains me to call him a racist. I don't want to think that the president's a racist. But being a grandson of an immigrant who was told to go back to where he come, came from by racists makes me think that that's a racist. So, sure, I, you, I certainly understand that. So my now my only take with you now when you were doing your opening monologue, um, you know, referring to Trump supporters like you know, yeehaw, that's our guy. You know, that's a little tough to put someone like yeah, you know, that puts someone like me of white European stock. No, 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 know, look, 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 that's putting you, us down. Hey, I mean, hey man, I got I got to do a radio show. I got to be a little provocative. Right. Right. I just want to make sure, like, what if I, Dave, like, I, I know that in they, New York, where they, you're calling from, there are a lot of Trump supporters that are not that, you know, that are suit and tie kind of people, uh, and, you know, but, you know, I say yeehaw and I, I don't even like country music. Dave, thanks I for know, calling. Thanks. The thing, but if I said oy vey, would that be, would that be something? <laughs> well, I say like, oy vey all the time. Dave, thanks for your call. Right. 
thank you. Thank you. 631-451-1039 is my number. 631-451-1039. And by the way, to that guy from uh, St. James who keeps calling back, I'm not taking your call. You referred, you used a ridiculously disgusting word to refer to President Obama. And you are a pathetic loser. So don't bother. Don't waste your minutes. I'm sure you've got one of those phones that you got to buy your minutes in advance. Don't waste your minutes calling back. I'm not taking your call. And, you know, if we pick up on you, we'll pick up on you and leave you on hold just to burn your cell minutes, okay? 631-451-1039 is my number. 631-451-1039 is my number. If you're not the guy from St. James, you want to get part, be part of the national conversation, pick up the phone, give me a call. 631-451-1039. Um, you know, here's the thing, America. The guy is in a constant state of distraction in this country. A constant state of distraction. Okay? All he wants to do is get people riled up so that they're not paying attention to his failures. The guy who just called Dave from, uh, I can't remember where he was calling from. He uh, he had a good point. Brookhaven. Brookhaven. He had a good point. He's like, you know, the guy's not getting anything done. He's trying to distract us. Maybe I wouldn't call him a racist. Well, I'd call him a racist. And, I, and trust me, I don't want to call him a racist. I really don't. I have pushed back on that for months in, in some liberal circles, and people were criticizing me for it. Progressives were, were criticizing me for it. But this was it for me. I'm sorry. This was it for me. The guy knows what he's doing, and he's doing it on purpose, and it's going to backfire on him politically. If he thinks that this is the issue that's going to get him going, he's wrong. Let me explain to you. The Obama coalition that did not come out for Hillary Clinton in 2008, particularly black and Latino voters whose turnout was down substantially in 2016, which led to Trump winning Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin, specifically in those three states, America. That group of people are fired up right now because they see this guy as not only a threat to democracy, but a threat to them personally. And they should He's inciting violence at those rallies. Whether he knows it or not, that's what he's doing. He's putting a target on the back of four women of color who are members of the House of Representatives, duly elected. And you might not agree with everything they say, but this is America. And in America, we're allowed to dissent. We're allowed to speak up. And Donald Trump has a real hard time when women, particularly women of color, Speak out against him. He has a real hard time with it. He doesn't know what to do with himself. He's so used to women just fawning all over him. And then when they speak out against him, he gets rid of them. He pushes them to the side. He pushes them to the side. So I am, uh, I, you know, I, I, I don't, I just don't understand how anybody can see this as anything but what it is. Clear, precise racism. And I think it's time for him to go. I would have voted yes on that impeachment resolution yesterday. I would have said done. 
This man has no grace. This man has no leadership ability. This man does not know how to reach down gently. He does not know how to rise above. He should not be trusted as commander-in-chief of the United States military anymore. This man needs to go. And now it's time, man. I, I can't wait till next week when Mueller comes, and I'm going to talk about that at some point tonight. Democrats in the House of Representatives better do their best to put together a real game plan for him. Drop the opening statements, drop the nonsense, and ask real questions with some sort of strategic goal. I don't need to hear opening statements from 20 members of the House. I need a line of questioning that gets to the truth. That's what I need. That's what America needs because it's time. All right. All right. So, yeah. Sorry for the abrupt cutoff, but I'm editing radio here, and it's uh, a little difficult sometimes. I'll be back to wrap it up right after this. Stick with you. All right. I'm back to wrap it up. Hope you're enjoying the little bits of the radio show I drop in other than the interviews. Um, You know, I just think they're good hits, and I'm trying to give you a little more content. Pretty soon that radio show will be available uh, in more markets around the country, so I probably will put less of it in here and just do a regular pod. Um, But this week's topic stayed fresh, so why not? So coming up this week, another really consequential week. I I touched on it at the end of uh, that radio bit. Mueller will be appearing before the House of Representatives this week. And uh, as I've said before, they better have a game plan. No nonsense. You know, it should be one book of questions. It should be a line of questioning. They should be consulting with counsel while the Republicans are doing their, you know, sideshow questions, which is all they're going to do. And they should make sure they get to the truth. They've read the report. They know what they want Mueller to say from the report so that the American people can actually hear him say what he has already said in the report, but nobody reads anymore. I mean, if every American read that report, the president would have a, uh, you know, a 35% approval rating right now because, you know, the sheep will, will still bah, right? It might even be lower. I mean, maybe some of the sheep will be like, yeah, you know what? They got a good point. Maybe we should uh, throw this guy out. So watch for it this week. And if you got some time between now and I guess Wednesday when he uh, uh, when he testifies, this comes out on Tuesday, so you got a day, call your congressman, especially if they're on one of the committees that he'll be testifying before, Judiciary and Oversight. Actually, Judiciary and Intelligence, I believe. Um, make sure that they are asking appropriate questions with some sort of strategic goal to get the truth out. And right now, I got to remind you all to seek the truth. Question everything and question everyone, even me, America. Seek the truth. I know it's out there, and I know you'll find it if you look hard enough. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast.
You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.